So good to see you. Happy New Year, and uh, it is great to be here with you today. Take your copy of God's Word, please, and join me in turning to the New Testament book of Romans. Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be today. Romans chapter 12. And uh, I'm excited at the prospect, not only of a new year, but of a new decade. And uh, I love the Lord. He's a big God. He's doing a big work in the world today, and I'm grateful that we get to be a part of it. And uh, I'm expecting a great year for the glory of God. Uh, this time every year, all the pundits talk about their prognostications for the new year, and some talk about the big things they think will happen in a positive sense, some talk about the bad things they expect to happen, and I've listened to some of it, and I think we're going to see some quote-unquote good things and some quote-unquote difficult things, but what I want you to know today is what happens around you is not near as important as that which is happening on the inside of you. And if you're a child of God, you're in Christ, and Christ is in you, and you have the capacity to overcome. You have the capacity in Jesus to do all that he would have you to do. And I want you this day, as we get this first Sunday of the year under our belts, I want you to head into this new year with a heart filled with faith, and a heart filled with hope, and a heart filled with expectation because of the power of Jesus Christ. It's not about our power, our ingenuity, our resourcefulness. It's about the reality that we serve a great God and there is nothing that can prevent us from doing what He has given us to do. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is greater than any foe you will face. He's greater than any enemy you will encounter. He's greater than any scenario that you will see. Our God is greater. I love the way John the Apostle said it in 1 John 4 and verse 4. He said, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus is greater. And when you are in Christ, and you know that Christ is in you, you have the greater God. Greater than what? Greater than anything you'll encounter in the course of your life. And through Christ, we can overcome and upend and overtake whatever we will encounter this year. But friends, some things need to happen in our lives for that to truly be a reality in a practical sense. There's some decisions we need to make right now, early on the front end of this new year, this new decade. I'm going to challenge you early to make some decisions this year as we get this year started. I want to encourage you to be a Christian who takes time each day to open the Word of God. Read the Bible. We have Bible reading plans in C3. Uh, there's no cost for those, of course. You can for sure go by and get one of those. And uh, in, in the olden days, we used to do all we could to make Bibles available, and we still have Bibles available, but uh, many of you are like me. You can just download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone. It has every Bible reading program you'd ever need. And so far this year, uh, all of my Bible reading for personal devotions has been right off of my cell phone or a tablet. And, and that would be a great decision for you to make to say, you know what, I'm going to spend time every day this year uh, hearing from God through His Word. But then I want to encourage you to let God hear from you through prayer. Talk to God. That would be a wonderful decision to make and be faithful in your attendance to church and your giving and your participation uh, in a small group. Again, in our C3, we've got all kinds of books that will help you with Bible studies. There's one book I'm going to mention right now and uh, you say you're selling books. No, what these cost is what they're available for back there. We called the publisher and uh, whatever we paid is what they're going for back there. This is a book I think I'm starting my eighth year now of using. It's not a book you read. It's 
a journal and it helps me greatly every day to chronicle what passage of scripture have I read what is my response to the word of God or what's the one big thing that God has brought into my life it forces me to write things down that I'm thankful for and uh, maybe some of you are like me it's good for you to force yourself to be reminded daily what am I thankful for it has a place where every day I'll make a determination who am I going to go out of my way today to bless to encourage to help it's got more of a to-do section it's a great book and uh, whether you use this or a yellow legal pad I want to encourage you to use something every day of your life even if you're just journaling a sentence or two of what it is that you've received from the Word of God that simple discipline will encourage you to to begin to assimilate much of the good that you receive as you spend time with God in what we often call a devotional life. But today we have a text before us that shares what I believe to be some powerful, powerful insights. And uh, what we're going to cover today, I believe, are great thoughts for any time, but I believe they're especially relevant for this time. They're appropriate for this first Sunday of the year. In fact, I believe, if you're listening, say amen. I believe if we live out today what we find in the Word of God, 12 months from now, we'll look back and we'll be in a better position spiritually and in our relationships because of what we've studied today. I'm glad that, that uh, going on 21 years into pastoring Coastline, I believe that with all of my heart. I am just as enthusiastic as I could possibly be. And I believe that what we're going to study today, if we'll ingest it into our lives and live it out through our lives, I believe 12 months from now, when this year's done, we'll look back and say, this year was awesome because of what I learned on the first Sunday of the year. So we're going to look today to Romans chapter 12, and if you're able, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing as we read together. If you're glad to be in church, say amen. amen. I am too. Lisa and I, we were away last Sunday. I think we were gone. We left on a Friday, uh, got to uh, our family on Friday, and I, we came home on a Wednesday, but it was nice just to have those few days, and I love being a pastor, but when your family is all scattered around, we don't get to get away during the holiday season, so to take a couple days afterwards and see my mom and dad and spend some time with Lisa's dad and, and uh, even spent time with my sister, that wasn't too bad, okay, and aunts and uncles and cousins, and, and uh, so we were glad to have a few days uh, with family as well, but I'm just so grateful to be back with you today. Romans chapter 12, and uh, we're going to read a couple verses together, and I'll take the time to go back and give the context, so we'll jump kind of right into the middle of this. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. As I said, I'll give the context. We're even going to go beyond this in our reading. But today, to get us started, we'll begin there. And I want you to take note of the words found near the beginning of verse 10, where the Bible tells us there, be kindly affectioned. Be kindly affectioned. Our Father, we're so grateful for your love for us and that you inspired the writing of your word, that you used holy men of God who were yielded to you to put it down on paper. We're grateful for the wonderful work of preservation whereby you've kept your word for us today so that we can enter into this study knowing that we're not just learning empty facts, but we are learning truths from you that can change our lives and make an impact on this year before us. Open our hearts up as we get into your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. The book of Romans was written by the Apostle Paul, and among other things, it is an absolute masterpiece on the topic of spiritual salvation. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of God, shares what it means to be what we often just call saved, forgiven of our sins, and entering into a relationship with God that will last forever. As Paul begins the book of Romans from the beginning to the point where we're reading, he he emphasizes the three major things that take place the moment a person gets saved. The moment somebody gets saved, it begins by understanding that all of our sins are forgiven, past present, future. All of our sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ when we come to him in faith for spiritual salvation. And the Bible word for that is justification. Justification means just as if I'd never been a sinner. And of course, our need for salvation is because of our sinfulness. And so it's wonderful to know that when we are saved spiritually, that we're justified through faith in Jesus Christ. All of our sin debt has been taken care of. But we also know, as Paul continues to write, that not only are we saved, we're justified, we are also being saved. And Paul elaborates on that by talking about maturing in the course of our spiritual lives. In the process of living from God, it's good to know we've been saved from the penalty of sin. But in the course of our lives, we're being saved from the power of sin. We're to be looking more and more like Jesus as we grow in our Christian lives. Listen, if you're a believer today, God's will, God's passion for your life is that you would look more like Jesus in 2020 than you did in 2019. We're to be growing in the Bible word for this maturing process is sanctification we have been saved if you're a believer you have been saved you've been justified you are being saved you're being sanctified and then Paul talks about the reality that one day we're going to spend forever with God and the Bible word for that is glorification and one day it will all culminate in Jesus Christ so if you're a believer you have been saved you are being saved you will be saved and all of that was solidified it was cemented the moment you humbled before God repented of your sins and you said Lord I'm turning to you and you alone for my soul's salvation all of it is by faith it's not by works of righteousness which we have done it's all because of the love of God the sacrifice of Jesus Christ it's just simply our faith in that which God has done as chapter 12 here begins Paul shares that in the course of our Christian lives There's a purpose for which we are to live. A singular purpose for which we are to live. Romans chapter 12, if your Bibles are still open, let's go back to verse 1. He begins by writing this way. He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, he says, we're to live our lives as a sacrifice to God. We're to give our lives to God. His will becomes our purpose. And he said, this is a reasonable service. This is not some bizarre, radical expectation, but we're to live our lives for God. And he said, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed By the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So our calling in life is to yield to God and to pursue His will that He reveals to us through His Word. 
As the chapter continues, Paul shares that as believers, we have all been given unique gifts, abilities, talents, and they're to be used for the purpose of glorifying God and of edifying the church of Jesus Christ. Again, in Romans 12, we've read now the first two verses. Let's move on into verse 3. Paul said, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith or ministry let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth on teaching or he that exhorteth on exhortation he that giveth let him do it with simplicity he that ruleth with diligence he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness now it's it's important for us to understand that that if we are truly a saved person that if you authentically have put your faith and trust in christ and him alone that god has put gifts and talents and abilities into your life and in the course of following his will he will then bring opportunities your way that enable you to exercise those gifts this whole thing of christianity is faith it's faith in Jesus. We come to Jesus in faith, but our lives are to be lived by faith, and faith in your life and my life is to become an active thing. It's not just keep the faith, hold the faith. We're to live by faith. But as we make our way then into verse 9, we find what I'll call here the attitude of faith. The attitude. And that's what I want to focus on today. You see, actions without the right attitude lose their impact. And it's important as we begin a new year to take some time to really just pause and inventory our hearts for every New Year's resolution that will be stopped when that action comes to a stop. The stop will have been preceded by an attitude that wasn't quite right. So we've got to make sure that the attitude, the heart in this all is right and, and that will allow us to be faithful to the Lord. So as we break this important passage down, we're going to find some truths <coughs> that can help us greatly. If you have your notes nearby, here's the first element I'd love to share with you today. Here's the first thought. Number one, affection determines direction. Affection determines direction. Now let's again go back to verse 9. And the Bible told us there, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Now when the Bible says here, let love be without dissimulation, I know that's not a word that probably any of us use this week in the course of our conversation, but that word dissimulation is, is really important because the Bible says there that our love is to be authentic, it's to be sincere. When the Bible says let love be without dissimulation, it means that we're to have no agenda in our love, that uh, we're not to have a motive in our love. And how many of you have realized there's much that is done today in the name of love that is really just the form of manipulation that's the kind of love the bible says we want to stay away from we want to have that sincere authentic love i heard of a young man who was left at the altar by his fiance it broke his heart shattered his heart and uh, he was so sad about that sometime later he received this note from her 
Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I have felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, so please forgive me. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. Congratulations on winning the state lottery, all right? How many of you would doubt the sincerity of a note like that, right? Too bad, so sad, you, you missed this opportunity. But sometimes people will say things under the guise of love, but really it's, it's, it's not an authentic authentic love it, it would be impossible friends for me to overstate the value and the power of an authentic love coming through your life jesus broke the christian life down as you recall into just two commandments matthew chapter 22 jesus put it this way he said thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy mind this is the first and great commandment and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said on these two commandments, saying all the law and the prophets. If you were to read the Old Testament, every time you found a law, you, you started adding them up, you would find there's 638 commandments in the Old Testament. Jesus said, that's a lot. Let me help you out. I'm just going to give you two. Love God and love people. If you have God's love in your life and God's love coming through your life, you'll only do that which is pleasing to God and you'll only do that which is right for others. Jesus said, love God and love people. And we are called upon by God to truly love. And the Bible says that we're to hold to that which is good. But there's a flip side. Because the Bible calls us here to hate some things. Hate. Paul said, abhor, that's a strong hatred, abhor that which is evil. Friends, it may sound a bit strange, but people of faith are to have a thread of hate running through them when it comes to that which is evil. Jude even put it this way, he said, and of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh my grandfather had a massive massive influence on my life you don't always know you're being influenced as it's happening but looking back uh, he was just a massive influence on my life and uh, my grandfather was a man of few words but he was a man's man and he was also in keeping with the idea of a man's man he was a loving man he was a loving man when my grandfather retired he uh, got a gigantic garden going. I mean, this thing was massive. And uh, it just kind of became a hobby for him and really a, maybe an obsession, my grandmother would say. He just loved this garden. And um, I found that because he loved his garden, he did some things that we would think are strange. I used to spend summers with my grandparents. I remember on one night in the summer, the deer were getting into the garden, so my granddad literally slept in his garden one night. He's going to be ready for those guys when they showed up. 
He put scarecrows out there. Uh, finally, he got a long extension cord and he put a radio in his garden. He thought, maybe if I play some music, that'll keep the animals away. He, he uh, loved his garden so much, he did some things that other people might say, well, that's an unusual thing to do. And, and because he loved his garden, every single day, my granddad would, would take his hoe and he'd go out to the garden and any little weed that came up, he'd make sure to get that weed rooted out of there. I'm telling you that my granddad developed an absolute hatred for weeds, but it was predicated upon a greater love for his garden. And similarly in our lives, we won't maintain a healthy love for that which is good and right if we don't have an equal hatred for that which is sinful and wrong. Can somebody say amen? Now, I, it, you know, it's ridiculous to me this needs to be said, but for the one who needs to hear it today, of course I'm not saying we're to hate sinful people. We're all sinful people. But I'm saying in my life and in your life, if we want to stay on the path that is right, we need to say, God, I love that path and I hate every other path that's going to lead me in the wrong direction. I want to be passionate for what you have for my life. And Sometimes today... In this modern era of Christianity, I think there seems to be an, an approach by many that says, you know, I just want to kind of keep an open mind, and we think, you know, I don't, I don't want to endorse that which is wrong, but, you know, I don't really want to oppose it either. Edmund Burke once wisely wrote, all that is necessary for the triumph is, of evil is that good men do nothing. So, man, we've got to have an immense love for the lord and the life he calls us to this year but in this healthy sense we need to have an abhorrence a hatred for anything that's against that which god would have for us wherever our affection is set will determine the direction we get you will go this year wherever you place your affection your affection my friend determines your direction paul wrote it this way in the book of colossians he said set your affection on things above not on things on the earth so i'm just going to follow my heart yeah yeah you can follow your heart but only after you've determined where am i going to set it where am i going to place it I want to encourage you today, place it on God and the, that which he has for you. Affection determines direction. Here's the second thought I'll share with you today. Affection requires connection. Affection requires connection. Let's go down to verse 10. Paul adds there, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. I, I love the fact here that we see that our affection is to be kind. And, and kindness, as we all know, it has to be shared. And to share kindness, you have to have a connection with other people. Uh, the Bible says here that we're to honor and prefer one another. The word honor there means to value the word prefer means to place others above ourselves. It's the mindset that says, hey, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And as simple as it sounds, if we made the decision today to simply be kind to others, it would change every relationship in our lives. Whether you make New Year's resolutions or just make decisions or whatever it is you want to call it, each of us today would live a better life in 2020 if this Sunday we said, God, I'm committing to you to live a life of kindness, of kindness. 
Now, this principle applies to every area of every aspect of our lives. Your kindness will change your family. Your kindness will change your workplace. Your kindness will change our community. How many of you would agree with me that our world could use a little more kindness? All right, well, it would be a lot of fun for me to tear apart the world right now and talk about how unkind it is and how cruel it is, but... Friends, I want you to know that that what we're to do with this command is to say, Lord, uh, I hope you change everything, but let the change begin in me. May my family be a more kind place because I'm in it. May my work environment be a more kind place because I'm in it. May my community be a more kind place. But I've got to tell you, the primary application for this verse is to the local church. Sometimes as Christians, we like to sequester ourselves in a room, shut the doors in the back tightly, talk about how bad it is out there. And God says, hey, why don't you live out what I've given you to do and just see what could happen if you determine to be kindly affectioned to one another. There are over a hundred times in the Bible we're told to do things one to another. The Bible here says be kindly affectioned one to another. So over a hundred times in the Bible we're told to do things one to another. It's an important expression in the Bible. And I want to add today that we cannot fill any of, fulfill any of those one another commands if we're not intentional about being with one another. Affection requires a connection. If we're to live out this life of faith, it requires that there are people in our lives. I I just want you to imagine with me for a moment. Imagine with me for a moment. If we showed up with an other first mentality when we came to church, many people today I know, I I hear it, I I speak with people often, they look for a church. They want a church where they will be blessed, where they will be served, where they will be loved. I I want you to imagine how our church could look 12 months from now, just those of us in this room. We don't even have to talk about the other services that will happen today. If just those of us in this room said, hey, I'm excited to go to church next week, and I'm not going to church so I can be blessed or I can be served or I can be loved I can't wait to get to church so that I can bless somebody so that I can serve somebody so that I can love somebody now there may be a small part of you in your heart you're thinking wait a minute if I'm interested in blessing and and serving and and loving who's gonna give that to me it's the idea if I if I give those things I'll be lessened here's the beauty of the Christian life You can never give those things without being blessed. God adds to your life. Again, you could do the math and conclude, well, if I give, I will come up empty. The beauty of the Christian life is that the more you give love, the more you receive love. It it never fails. When, When you focus on loving others, you'll find love from others coming your way. Solomon wrote this in Proverbs 18. He said, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. By this rationale, we say, well, if I give friendship, I'm just going to expend all of the friendship I have to give, and then I'll be left with nothing. And, And the Bible says, no, as you give friendship, what happens is you receive 
friendship in return. And I'm telling you today that when we get this others first mentality, how can I serve you? How can I bless you? How can I help you? What's going to happen is you begin to live in that selfless way, that connection that is connected to your affection. It's going to change everything in your life and you will make a difference anywhere you go. And there's no better time of year than right now to decide to invest in the relationships in your life. And finally, I'll share with you today, number three, affection feeds on the right motivation. If we're still friends, say amen. amen. Affection feeds on the right motivation. Let's look at verse 11 together. The Bible says they're not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Now, the idea here is that we're to put our heart into that which we do, because ultimately, as verse 11 talks about, uh, we don't want to be lazy in business, we want to make sure we're fervent in our spirit, and then it concludes there with serving the Lord, and, and we want to put our hearts in that which we do, because as the verse concludes, we realize that ultimately everything we do in life is to be done for God. Paul later wrote in Colossians 3 and verse 23, he said, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. You want to find a way to have longevity in these decisions we'll make on the front end of a year? Don't do it for others. Don't even do it for yourself. Say, God, what would you have me to do? How would you, Lord, have me to treat others? Lord, how would you have me to treat even this body that you've given me? And when you find a motivation, it's to please the Lord in that. Now, you, if you're a believer, God is pleased in you. But I'm talking about actions now that would be honoring to the Lord. When that's your mindset, you've got a much bigger motivation that will lead you forward it's unto the lord and again this applies to everything if you're an employee for example your boss may have you on your last nerve start viewing your work and your work ethic as an act of worship to god that boss doesn't deserve my best effort he's been bugging me he's not fair and all of those things may be true but say god i know you i know you wouldn't have me here griping about this so i either need to get enough character to say this is untenable and i'm going to find a new job or you need to say god help me to have the right kind of attitude and this boss doesn't deserve my best effort but god you do so wherever you have me god have me to be all there have me to do what's right colossians 3 and verse 22 helps us understand this principle servants we could say employees in our culture obey in all things your masters according to the flesh not with eye service, as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. The Bible's not saying that your boss at work is God. The Bible is saying, hey, do you want to have a motivation that will really take you somewhere? Just do the best in everything you do because ultimately you understand you're doing it for the Lord. Similarly, we think of uh, Ephesians 6, 5. Servants, be obedient unto them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Do what you do for God. Do what you do for God. This even applies to marriage. For example, Colossians 3 and verse 18. Wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the lord now the lord is not teaching us there that husbands are god can i get an amen from the wives that's not what's being said there men clearly need much help okay i saw a couple weeks ago what to get the man who has everything 
and uh, it said a woman to help him find it and know how to use it, okay? So, uh, men, we would all be absolutely lost. Uh, that, that's, that's, the Bible's not saying that the men are the Lord, but the idea is this. Wives, you want to be the best wife possible? Make a decision. I'm going to love this guy the way God would have me to do it. I'll just tell you up front, he doesn't deserve your kindness. But we don't do what we do to others based on what we think they deserve. We say, God, what do you want me to do? Husbands, it goes for us as well. God, how would you have me to love my wife? And the Lord says you're to love your wife like I love the church. What did Jesus do for the church? Well, he gave his life for it. And I'll be a really good husband when, when I say, help me to have the love of Christ for my wife. I'll give for her. I'll meet her needs in that way. That's, that's how it's supposed to work. Imagine how our marriages would improve if we didn't treat others how we felt they deserved to be treated in that moment. But we treated them how we believe God would have us to treat them. Jesus taught us so clearly that living as a servant to others, it doesn't demean us. It's not a demeaning thing to live life as a servant. That's how you make an impact in life. Serving. In Matthew 20, we read this, verses 26 through 28. Uh, the Lord says, But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister or your servant. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as Jesus said, the Son of Man, he was speaking of himself, he said, just like I came, not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus could have taken the form of anything he wanted to take, but in Philippians 2, it says he took the form of a servant. Nobody makes a greater impact in life than a servant. And when we view God ultimately as the one that we're serving and everyone in, in our lives as beneficiaries of our heart for God, it'll give us the capacity to live these next 12 months of life. And, and next year as we're coming into the holidays, we can look back and say, you know, I seem to be doing a little better at work. Something about my attitude change things I, I think we could look around and say you know something my impact in the lives of my children it's it's just different i i can't really explain it my marriage is stronger would to god we could say lord your church here is stronger and all of that has to go back to hearts of love It'd be hard to imagine a more impactful life than the one lived by Luis Pasteur. He was a chemist and a biologist and the founder of microbiology. He proved the germ theory of disease, invented the process of pasteurization. He developed several vaccines for, of course, polio as is most well-known and for rabies. Let me share with you a quote he's famous for having made over and over. He said, in what way can I be of service to humanity? My time and energy belong to mankind. So if I could hold up an example of someone who made a massive impact with their life. For him, what was the genesis of it all? 
It was a decision he made in his heart to ask the question, hey, what can I do for humanity? My time, my energy, my talents, my opportunities, all of it belongs to mankind. Well, I would say this. wonder what would happen today if those of us who claim to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior would ask the question, how can I serve others today? My life ultimately belongs not to those I serve, but to God. And I want to do what God would have me to do. And I believe with that heart, we'd have every reason to believe that every day of 2020 could be a day in which we make an impact the way the Lord would long for us to. If, if, if we, in these early days of 2020, would set our affections, we'll be heading in the right direction. If we'd set our affections, we'll head in the right directions. Then we must understand that our affection needs to make a connection. Our lives must intersect with the lives of others. It's, it's not love until you give it away, as they say. We need a connection and then just decide now you're going to love others. And, and our affection finds a perpetual motivation and understanding that we're to do what we do ultimately for God. And the good done to others is essentially our way of living out our faith and honoring God in the course of our lives. Our Father, we're grateful today that as we read this passage and then let it read us, that your spirit can put your finger on the very areas in need in our lives. Lord, we know it's impossible without a goal to, to move forward. And so I pray today that you would help us to spend some time taking an inventory of our hearts God, I pray that we would not be people that just every day try to figure out what do I want to do today, but that we would determine in advance our affection, that our love for you would lead us to chart a course. And, and Lord, I pray that the direction that flows from a day like this one would come from people intentional about a decision to love you and to love others for you. God, I pray today that you would help us to make a determination to have the, rel the relationships in life that you would have for us to have. May our affection enjoy that connection. And then, Lord, we know that many of the resolutions made at this point have already been broken and we're better than no one. Help us to find that, per that perpetual motivation because we're doing what we're doing, not simply for others, not simply for ourselves, but ultimately we're doing it from our hearts to you. God, may this understanding, this belief as we apply our faith to it, may it lead this year to be the year you would have it to be in each of our lives. Help us, we pray, dear God.